In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The gospel lesson we just heard follows right on the heels of the Beatitudes, the very beginning of Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. The Beatitudes, as we know, right, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, and on and on, begins this sermon. And what we just heard about salt and light follows directly after. That means second only to the Beatitudes, this is what Jesus wanted people to hear when he offered his Sermon on the Mount. In this gospel lesson, Jesus says, you are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. Now, I love this reading, and it comes up regularly in some of our pastoral services. And in particular, I love the idea of salt and light because it is so tangible. We really understand this. This is not kind of highfalutin theology. We get salt. We get light. And I love to cook, so I especially like when Jesus says you're the salt of the world because we all know salt makes food taste good. And we know that if you don't add enough salt to food, you can't really taste it. And so it really does make sense to me that Jesus is saying you are the salt of the earth because we are effectively that holy seasoning that God uses out in the world to make things taste good. We Those of us who are here, those of us who choose to follow Jesus, we become the salt in the world that actually makes the world a better place. And yet Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness, how can that be restored? Which I think is a sort of odd thing to say, because how genuinely can salt not be salty? I mean, it seems like an odd thing that salt could all of a sudden not be what it is which perhaps takes me to a different way to interpret this. I think most of the time we think that we are meant to receive that saltiness and to be salty in the world. And I know many of you, and I know you are salty. And so that kind of saltiness is a good thing in the world. But what if we kind of flipped this idea that we're not simply receiving that saltiness to use out in the world from God? What if we are salty regardless of whether we choose God or not? What if we, in effect, can impact our world, do impact the world, whether we choose to do so on behalf of God or not? To me, that changes this message significantly. You see, each one of us is chosen by God. Each one of us is loved by God. Each one of us is given gifts by God, and we will impact the world in some way. The question then becomes not whether we will impact the world, but how do we impact the world? I think for those of us who show up here, those of us who wish to follow Jesus, those of us who wish to kind of be transformed by the gospel, hope that we will impact the world in a positive way, in a loving way, in that good way. But how many of us are satisfied with the way that we impact the world? How many of us can sit here this morning and say, we are truly, genuinely happy with the way that we are using our gifts, with the way that we engage the people around us, with the way that we season the world. Now, we affect the world whether we want to or not. And how we live out that effect is, I think, a question for all of us in our own discipleship. 
Months ago, we spent weeks and weeks talking about gratitude. We talked about the way in which we receive gifts, whether we are grateful, and then how we express that gratitude out in the world. Now, I did that because I like the idea of gratitude, but I recently came across a study that proves that gratitude makes a physical impact on us in a very meaningful way. Recently, some researchers at UC Berkeley did this study where they took a whole lot of people, broke them up into small groups, and then they used a functional MRI to study the way that their brains work when they engage in moments of gratitude. They divided the people into small groups, and they were given a pay-it-forward kind of task. In other words, what happened is someone approached each group and gave them a small amount of money, and they identified themselves as a nice person, right? That nice person gave the people some money and then said, we want you to pay this money forward if you are grateful. Now, they did this because they wanted to distinguish between gratitude and guilt and obligation. We all know what it's like to do things where we feel kind of guilty or obliged to do it versus when we are genuinely grateful for what we have. You see, you cannot fake gratitude. You actually have to feel it. It goes beyond just a simple action to a feeling, and this is where it gets a little hairy for us because most of us are not taught how to really feel. Most of us are taught how to think, definitely taught how to act, taught how to reason and to understand the world and to become skillful in order to become successful, but most of us don't actually know well how to feel deeply. And so in this experiment, they really pushed on this idea of an emotional reaction. When given some money and told to pay it forward, how did people feel in response to that gift? So, as the participants went about doing whatever they decided to do with that money, they were given questionnaires to answer how they were feeling. Those who rated themselves as feeling very grateful were also measured to have a high amount of activity in their medial prefrontal cortex. Do you know I practiced that term for a while? <laughs> I'm so proud of myself, the medial prefrontal cortex. Effectively, this is the area of the brain that helps us to become healthier, more problem-solving. We are able to think more clearly. We're able to make more wise decisions. This is what doesn't develop until after adolescence, teenagers. So this is what helps us to become a really thoughtful, engaged, contributing person. When the people rated themselves as very grateful, this area of the brain activated in a huge way. It actually created more measurable gray matter in this area of the brain, making these people literally, physically healthier and able to make better decisions in the future. Those who gave away the money and did not rate themselves as grateful did not show the same impact on their brain. And here's what I think is most amazing. Three months after the experiment, they invited all of the participants back, they remeasured their brains, and the people who actually felt grateful in this exercise showed the expansion of their gray matter in their medial prefrontal cortex stayed. Which means that feeling of gratitude, that expression of genuine gratitude, physically changes our brains for the better, and it's not something momentary. That physical change continues and lasts and over time makes us literally 
into a new person. So why do I all say all this? Because we are approaching the season of Lent, approaching a season where we get a chance to take stock of who we are, of how we behave, of who we want to be. And I think as we prepare for that holy season, we should begin to consider what opportunities we have to begin to change ourselves for the better. Yes, gratitude is important, but that feeling of gratitude is something that needs to be expressed, needs to be lived out, needs to become something generous in us for us to actually be transformed, not just today, but for good. As we approach this season of Lent, you will be invited to become more conscious of and to use your own saltiness with more intentionality. We will have many opportunities in the season of Lent for you to create good habits, to take on good disciplines. And one of those you'll see in your bulletins today, which is a daily prayer podcast that we, the clergy at St. Michael, have recorded already so that all of us, every morning, can spend a few minutes in prayer. Prayer is one of those moments that gets us started in the right direction, that can actually pivot our perspective toward gratitude and hopefully over time, as we are changed, make us more and more generous with the gifts that we have been given. We all want to be useful. We all want to make an impact in the world. We all want to be able to live out our discipleship, to live out our faith with a genuine, genuine level of love. For each one of us, we all have more journey to go. We all have more space to improve and to become more effective and to be more impactful. Know that as we do this, you are not doing this alone. We are on this journey together. Every one of us has the opportunity to make a meaningful shift over these next few weeks and months, and we will do so together. And if you live out your generosity with that genuine sense of gratitude, you're going to be changed for the good, for good. Amen.